Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the wobbly wassail creatures that fly through the air. Good morning to the creatures that scurry about in the swamps and the jungles. Good morning to the ocean filled with pain, filled with blood. Good morning to the mountain cats and the mountain lions, the pumas and the cougars. Good morning, cougars. I know you're out there doing something in bed. Good morning to the witches and the wenches. Good morning to the old tavern crawlers. Good morning to the old hobos living in the alley. It's Sunday. Sunday, January the 23rd, 2022. In the age of Boblimtok. So right around 6 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. Can you believe it, brothers and sisters? Another day has arrived. Another moment to live. Grab life by its testicles. Grab life by the testicles, baby. Pick up life by the balls and carry on. Can you believe it? January 2022. Almost two years into whatever the fuck has been going on. If you think you know what's been going on, you probably don't. Sorry. And if you listen to this podcast believing that I know for certain what's going on, let me give you the fucking summary. I am certain we're being lied to. I don't give a fuck if they're lying about being idiots. They're always lying about being idiots. That's not the fucking point. Any Hanlon's razor motherfucker out there, put the razor away, you fuck. I am certain we're being lied to for whatever reason. I am certain that the lies are on a scale unprecedented. I mean, the last example in American history would probably be 9-11. To have this much dishonesty, this much deception. And yeah, this much utilization of military psychological warfare operations. We have been going through one PSYOP after another for two years. The major PSYOP being the monkey herpes, the Rona, the cockcratch, the lung bungus, the COVID-19, whatever the fuck you want to call this pandemic, the woo flu, the CCP virus, whatever little demon keeps you warm at night, you call it what you will. I am certain we're being lied to, and I am certain that the monkey herpes COVID is part of the fucking lie. It's not the truth. So whether it's the Trump trauma drama, QAnon nonsense, hypersonic hustle with the missile gap from the 1960s, China-Russia bullshit, we are being lied to. And it's not everyday fucking lies. The other thing I, I think is true, but it's based on an assumption, is that lies this big don't generally cover up things that are good. 
I'm not saying there's not going to be a surprise party. I'm not saying there won't be some Battlestar Galactica ship revealed. There could be some strange ending to the third act, but right now the third act looks kind of dismal. And I think the third act in this case is the final act. Not the end of the world, not the apocalypse, and as far as the book of Revelation goes, I cannot speak to that. I'm not a prophet. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a prophet. I've read the book of Revelation, and there are things in it that kind of ring true with the time we're living in. But one of Christ's core messages is, you're not going to fucking know. You won't know when I return. That is something the Lord said. So we either take that seriously or we dismiss it. And I, don't, I really don't think we should dismiss it. And let's talk about prophecy for a second before we go too far, right? Let's talk about prophecy. Some people think of prophecy as seeing the future, um, conjuring the future, like Nostradamus. He was a prophet because he made predictions about the future. I'm not really sure if that's the purpose of prophecy. I, I don't know. One of the things I am certain of, though, with respect to prophecy, is that it has a reifying effect upon our faith. If we have our faith, our faith in God, our faith in, in the Christian way, prophecy, when it is revealed as fulfilled, and again, this is up to discernment, which means up to the blessings of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ to help you find the right answer, so your discernment has to be working. But if you discern that prophecy is being fulfilled, the purpose was not to invest in Bitcoin. The purpose was not to have the ultimate survival shelter. The purpose was not to know that SpaceX either went to space or made it all up. The purpose of prophecy is the Lord telling you, I am here. I was there. I am always with you. Always. That's it. Yes, you could probably talk about the Bible code and using prophecy to predict the presidential elections. If you want to do that, that's up to you. But I don't think it has anything to do with that at all. And I'm also not saying that there aren't people who are able to interpret the Bible in such a way that they can kind of just, you know, get a get a bead on what's going on. I, I think there are Bible scholars, and I think that there are studious people who respect the Bible, respect its history, understand its complicated history, and, and, you know, make a shot at trying to understand prophecy in that context. And some of these people might be having, you know, these experiences today and even podcasting about it. And you might listen to a podcast where someone says, listen, according to this prophecy, according to this vision, according to this saint, I think we're here. I think this is where we're at in the story. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I do think it's risky. I do think it's risky. I don't know if it's the Seventh-day Adventist, but there was a Christian church in the 19th century where one of its founders predicted the end of the world. And I think it was Seventh-day Adventist. And this prophet, this minister, this Christian said, the world was ending in the 1840s. I forget the exact year, but I think it was something like that. P. 
people have been predicting the end of the world. Christians and other faiths have been talking about the end of the world since people became aware that the world even existed. Since that first moment of consciousness, we have conjured up visions of the end. And, it, and it's in every religion pretty much. Every mythology, every spiritual system, every guru, not every, maybe not every, but almost every has a theory about the end of the world. Or they have a theory of the ages and, and we're in a certain kind of age and soon the age is going to turn over to a new age. The age of Aquarius, right? I am not a prophet. I don't claim to have precognition. I'm not even sure my intuition works right. And if you ask me, one of the things they've been doing with these psyops is effectively carpet bombing the third eye. Carpet bombing the third eye with a lot of nonsense and a lot of garbage and a lot of noise. So even if I thought I had the ability to predict the future, which I don't, I think it would be awfully hard right now. The powers that be are doing everything they can, and I think to include spiritual warfare, uh, to, to confuse you and to cloud you. So all I'll tell you is I'm pretty certain they're lying. They're lying about the monkey herpes. They're lying about the, the Russia bullshit, the China bullshit. They're lying about a lot of stuff, and they're doing so to hide something. When they tell you we don't have enough stevedores to unload the containers, they're lying. Okay, when they tell you it's the hackers that you don't have your potato chips, they're lying. If they tell you, oh, we're going to stop all the truckers at the border now because of the monkey herpes and that'll affect your whatever delivery. Yeah, they're fucking lying. Okay, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but they are lying on a huge scale. And like I said, rarely in human history do lies this big cover up something nice? It would be a great thought that some, you know, surprise party is waiting for us in 2023. But that is insane. The other thing is this. The types of psyops they're using are in the category of trauma-based mind control. And they're really pushing the trauma, okay? You can't do this at this scale for very long. I don't know if the magic number is a year or two years, but I'm pretty certain they have a good guess of what that magic number is. And so whatever is going to be the third act, I think the first and second act are over, you know, almost. I think there's going to be some, you know, noise and sturm and drong about the monkey herpes maybe for a while because people have, be, have become consumed by this cult. And yeah, it's a cult, okay? This, this belief system that's been foisted on people involving the crown prince of bullshit, um, Anthony Fauci, uh, it's a cult, all right? And, and people are not going to easily give up their cults, especially if they believe the hospital when the hospital says the monkey herpes killed their grandma or their sister or their mom or their daughter. I can tell you something from having worked for hospitals. They are gigantic fucking liars. And in all likelihood, they killed your fucking loved one. And the COVID is a great way to fucking cover that up. So if you want to send me a nasty email about how you know you had the fucking COVID, fuck you. Save your fucking time. You don't know it, all right? But what I do know from experience and data is hospitals kill people. They kill people with bad surgery, 
bad pharmacy, bad everything, and don't forget hospital-acquired infection. That means fungal, that means viral, that means bacterial, that means everything. Prior to the monkey herpes, American hospitals killed hundreds of thousands of people every fucking year because they couldn't keep the place clean. All right? So I don't know if it's the end of the world. I don't think it is. I do think we're at the end of, of an epic, of a period of time. I think it's entirely plausible that the last 150 or 200 years of turmoil was more of an exception than the rule, but it doesn't mean the turmoil's over. I think there's a lot of entropy built up in the system, and a lot of this is going to spill out on people, all right? It's going to just, it's going to clobber people. It's going to be very scary when this Jenga tower falls. And I think it's about to fall. The only question I have, and the only thing that's kept me up for the last two years mostly, is that it? Is it just the collapse of the empire? Because if it is, it's going to be hard, and it's going to suck. And yeah, you're going to lose all your money. You're not going to get any more Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. It is over. We could end up with United States Armed Forces stranded overseas. If this is simply the collapse of the petrodollar scam, it's going to be bad. But it is not the end of the world. And it's entirely plausible that in the post-petrodollar world, parts of this country, maybe most of the United States, might become a free country again, or at least freer, you know. It's possible. The problem with building prisons and police states is they are as expensive as fuck and they don't really make anything useful. So there's no way to make money building a society of prisons and prisoners and cameras and bullshit. If you believe the reset nonsense, you have not been paying attention. They did the reset a long time ago before most of you motherfuckers were born. They had enough control of this world to turn it off for two years. That's how much of a reset they fucking need. They don't need one. They don't need the reset. They don't need Klaus Schwab's bullshit. They had all the power they needed. If they could have been raping and killing and murdering and stealing for another thousand years, why wouldn't they? So if, if you're going to talk about the reset, please understand, I think the reset's a psyop too. Mostly not designed for you and me, baby. The reset is a psyop designed for those people, those elite, those middle management people, the people, you know, mayors and governors, senators, generals and colonels um, are told of the reset because it keeps them at their fucking post. It keeps them on the fucking wall. It keeps them in their home in Seattle. But I promise you, Mayor Jenny Durkin, a day is coming when there's going to be a mob and there'll be cops in the mob helping them heading to you. And guess what? Your trial, your jury, it'll all be expedited. And it won't just be you, Jenny. It'll be Gavin Newsom. It'll be every governor, every mayor, every shithead that pummeled the human population and the psyche with these terrible lies for the last two years Lies that destroyed businesses, destroyed lives, suicides, overdoses, I could keep on fucking going. And I have no doubt, given the nature of this snuff flick, that they killed a few old people 
in, in rest homes to save a little money and to scare the fuck out of you. But no, no, Virginia. No, Virginia, the, the, the monkey herpes is not real. That's what I know. I know they've been lying. I know they've been lying for two years. And I'm pretty certain they don't control the schedule. So whatever the fuck they're lying about, and we don't know what it is, <laughs> they don't control it. So who knows? It's a fuzzy event. And the good news is, brothers and sisters, the collapse of wretched empires, that's also a fuzzy event. Doesn't have a precise date, doesn't really have a precise end in a way. <sighs> It has a limit, like in calculus. Like 1 over x approaches 0 as x approaches infinity. That's a true statement. I mean, you never do get to 0 because any value divided by another will always resolve to something, even if it's so tiny, so insignificant, that you would need too many fucking zeros past that decimal point. It doesn't matter. Fuck you. 1 divided by x as x approaches infinity is 0. If you want to understand collapse like any other fuzzy event, the rumblings start early in a way and they're imperceptible the most. For example, if you ask me, the collapse of the American Empire began in 1990. That's right, it sounds counterintuitive because it was 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell and it was 1990 when Germany was reunified and by 1990 the Soviet Union was in collapse at that time. Not completely collapsed yet, but well on its fucking way to the drunken Yeltsin who would rule Russia for a couple of years before Putin. Yeah, well on its fucking way to collapse in 1990. And in that same year, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And in that same year, the United States did the whole kabuki dance. Oh, we're going to try diplomacy. And we'll send, you know, oh yeah, we'll send this guy over there to talk to him. Fuck. Which was all bullshit. And again, there are different reasons why this might have happened. But what is certain is that when empires have to start doing shit like this, when they have to start fighting wars just to keep control, that is not the beginning of the empire. That is the fucking end. And it doesn't matter if you win. In this particular case, you win by losing. Or you lose by winning, depending upon your perspective. You ever hear the, hear the term Pyrrhic victory? Well, it goes back to ancient Rome. And a Pyrrhic victory is a victory you win, but ultimately leads to your defeat. And in a particular case, the Romans were at war with another empire. I think it was one of the Alexandrian kingdoms left behind after he died. But the Romans were at war with another empire, and the other empire won a battle. Um, but the battle ended up destroying them. I think that's the story. And Pyrrhic, the term Pyrrhic victory comes from that. Again, I may have it a little wrong, but what you need to know about a Pyrrhic victory is that these are victories that are fleeting and they lead to your destruction. Okay? The first Gulf War was a Pyrrhic victory, brothers and sisters. Yes, 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 we defeated 
the, the Iraqi Republican Guard troops and we buried them alive in dirt with B-52 arc light and we did a lot of damage and, and also psychological warfare did a lot of really good work during the first Gulf War. But that victory was a defeat because up until that point, we did everything behind the scenes. Up until that point, most of what we did was manipulation. And if we did go to war, it was part of the Cold War against the communists. Up until that point, it wasn't about some random fucking nation that was trying to take oil that they thought was theirs, and no. What, what Saddam Hussein found out in 1991, and what he eventually found out forever in 2003, what Saddam Hussein found out was that it wasn't his oil, it wasn't his oil, it wasn't his oil, it wasn't the Saudis' oil, it wasn't the Kuwaitis' oil, it wasn't anybody's oil other than our oil. And if they were going to sell it, buy it, steal it, they needed our permission. That's it. And that was the lesson we were trying to teach. Of course, when you are at the point of teaching lessons like that, it is over. Nobody understood that in 1990. I think even I was kind of fooled. I suspected it wasn't a good sign. But a lot of people after the war was over, was like, oh, wow, America's back again. Back at doing what? Back at invading countries and toppling them? Yeah, we've done that before. Those weren't shining moments in our history. But this was a new scale. Okay, all the old excuses were useless. Okay. Yeah, we could we could try to compare Saddam Hussein to Adolf Hitler, and we could try to claim his invasion of Kuwait was like the invasion of Poland, but all of it seemed like bullshit at the time, and it still seems like bullshit. And in retrospect, everything we've done in the Persian Gulf has taken a little simmering, you know, barely seen dumpster fire. It was always a dumpster fire, but all we did was pour gasoline on the dumpster fire. That's it. A lot of people got burned up by it. A lot of people destroyed. A lot of depleted uranium spread all over the fucking desert. And for what? To keep a crooked scam, the petrodollar, going for another 20 or 30 years. That's what it was for. Hooray. But it wasn't for freedom, and it wasn't for justice, and it wasn't for peace. And that piece of shit, Senor Bush, former CIA guy... That motherfucker did everything he could to cover up Tiananmen Square a year earlier. He did everything he could to help the Chinese communists. Everything. So before you give me some fucking email about all the freedom and justice bullshit of the first Gulf War, fuck you. Study your fucking history. The first Gulf War was not a sign of victory. It was a sign of defeat. But collapse, you don't always see it until you see it. And I think we're starting to see it. If it's worse than collapse, here's also something I think is true. Um, if it's worse than just collapse, collapse is baked into the cake. That will happen. It's just a question of when. And I'm sure the powers that be are worried about that. Like if it is worse than just collapse, if they're hiding something... Maybe it's related to the sun. Maybe it's related to the planet Earth. Pole shift bullshit. Could be planet X. Who the fuck knows? But if they are hiding something, they know what I know. That at that point, given the way they've treated people, 
they run the risk of everybody saying, fuck you, we're going to do our own thing. They run the risk of their society falling apart. I would say falling together, but that's irrelevant too, you know. So I didn't want to like spend all podcast on that. I think I kind of beat a dead horse there, but you know, I don't, I can't really say much more than what I've said and you don't have to believe me. You should do your own research, research psychological warfare, research how it's been used throughout history. Understand that for psyops to work, there is a kind of queer or strange partnership between the person conducting the PSYOP and the people being fucked with. The people being fucked with have to kind of want to believe. And that means you have to prepare them. And for decades, people were prepared for the great plague, the great epidemic, the terrible virus, the murder virus. They had science fiction writers and movie makers feeding every fear, every delusion. And in every one of these films, you've got some heroic fucking, you know, true blue healthcare professional that comes in and saves the fucking day. People were ready for the monkey herpes before it was announced. And then it happened. And you know what's really funny? If they had called it the monkey herpes, I think people would have still bought it. You know? In fact, maybe they would have bought it more. It'd be like what Elon Musk once said, you know it's real because it looks so fucking fake. First topic. So I am technically back on social media again. I don't know for how long because <laughs> for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which I don't know how much longer any of this nonsense will continue before things really, really start falling apart. And when they really fall apart, things like the internet are going to be, how can I phrase this, unreliable. That's a nice way of putting it. But I am back on social media. I have a Getter account. If you go to G-E-T-T-R dot com, this Twitter, it's kind of a ripoff of Twitter, but then again, I don't think Twitter's all that special. But this Twitter kind of ripoff was created by one of these, you know, Trump people. And I don't really care about that. I'm not a Republican. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for the last few elections for the reasons I've stated in the past. I don't think it works. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a load of horse shit. In fact, the last time I voted was 2012. And when I look back upon that vote, I feel like a fucking moron. At the time, I was so excited to vote for legalizing marijuana, legalizing marijuana in Washington state. What I didn't know is it would take two fucking years before the first fucking pot shop would actually be opened in Washington state. Okay, if some motherfucker at a major alcohol corporation wants to distribute some new little tasty treat that every fucking teenager is going to want somebody to buy for them, there is no waiting process for those fuckheads. But what I didn't realize is that, God forbid, once you legalize weed, you could actually go and fucking buy it. So, no, I, I, I look back upon that vote especially given that that was probably the last election where I called myself a libertarian. I look back upon that vote and I feel like a fucking idiot, a fool. Even to this day, okay, 10 fucking years later, just about, 
There's a lot of stuff in Washington State around marijuana that makes no fucking sense. That's it. And I could say the same thing for Colorado or any other motherfucking place that quote-unquote legalized it. A lot of nonsense, a lot of stupidity. <sighs> Anyways, I'm back on social media. I got the link in the notes. If you go to the note link, you'll find the notes. And then you can link on the link. And I don't give a fuck if you follow me on Getter or not. I am currently just using it as a vehicle to advertise. That's it. To advertise my podcast. Whatever the fuck that means right now, who the fuck knows, other than God. Yeah. Gotta drink a little coffee here. Get a little coffee down. Help with the cotton mouth and the sleepiness. Because, hey, it's 6.30 a.m., you fuck. Yeah, so I'm on Getter, and I post something. There's this Leah person that won some, you know, college women's swimming competition. Except for Leah, you know, is really a guy. And listen, I don't want to get into the whole homophobia, transphobia bullshit. Those are your problems, not mine. Let me keep it simple for you, motherfucker. I have junk. If I use my junk in the right way, even at my old age, I can make a woman pregnant. I can stick my junk in a hole and I can whack off. There are lots of things I can do with my junk. But would you really want to have a whole hour of me talking about my fucking junk? You see, my issue with all of this gender politics is it's become politics. It's your fucking business. What you do in the privacy of your fucking home is your business. If you want to go have any kind of weird-ass sex in the street... I'm not going to engage with you. I will probably walk the other fucking direction. And I would advise every other motherfucker to do the same thing. Okay? I don't give a fuck about your gender. Alright? And I don't know why you would give a fuck about mine. That is your personal fucking problem. It really is. But with respect to women's sports, let's have an honest and quick conversation. If you spent your life biologically, genetically, as a male your body grew in a very different way from that of a genetically female person. And it does mean that you have certain capacities that women don't have. Ergo, it is by definition unfair for you to compete in a swimming competition with women. I don't care if you want to call yourself a woman, a dolphin, an alien, and what you do with your fucking junk is your own stupid fucking business. But it is kind of crooked and cowardly to compete in that sport. So I made a little comment on Getter. I said, he is amazing. Now, of course, anybody who would read that sentence after the last couple of decades of social justice gender politics would realize I was making a diss, okay? I said, he is amazing, okay? I used the word he. I mean, didn't we spend like... I don't know, a couple years saying you can't use pronouns any longer, fuck you. But I get a troll following me. A troll responds. The troll immediately says, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. He is blah, blah, blah. And I said, don't you understand sarcasm? And then I got that other response two hours later. And the other response was garbage. It was filled with a bunch of statements. It's, it's like they wrote a function. 
uh, computer program function, okay, that was supposed to return the response, but it didn't return one, it returned three, and the three had nothing to do with each other. It was weird. It looked exactly like a fucking bot. So here's the deal about sarcasm. And, and, and let's talk about the Turing test really quick. Alan Turing, one of the critical figures in computer science, also gay, and I don't give a fuck because it's not relevant. But Alan Turing had a theory that you could test a computer using essentially a keyboard uh, and a monitor of some sort, and you could test the computer to figure out whether or not it was indistinguishable. Not that you could prove it was, but indistinguishable from a human. So if you're on Twitter and you're typing away, and then someone else you know, talks to you, according to Turing, there are questions you can ask this person on Twitter, on Facebook, on Getter, that would determine whether or not it's a person or, you know, a bot, a robot, an AI. Ever since I went on social media for the first time, right after my sister Nancy died, about 10 years ago, um, ever since I've been on, I have been harassed and my accounts have been deleted. And one of the things I've learned is that everybody, well, not everybody, Certain groups of, of accounts, and they really are groups of accounts, hate sarcasm. They don't understand sarcasm, and they will dump on you for using sarcasm. But here's what I'll tell you. I think the Turing test is bullshit for the most part. It just doesn't work. But if you want to do a Turing test, use sarcasm. Use it. Use it all the time on Twitter, on Facebook. Don't give people a cheat sheet. Don't do the slash sarcasm. That's for the fucking bots. You're not talking to robots. You're talking to fucking people. And if someone doesn't understand the sarcasm, what a typical human does is say, I don't understand. Or tell me what you mean. That's what a human would do. Or they would simply fucking get it. But if you want to figure out if someone who's following you is a bot, or, or at least probably a, a hardcore troll, use a fuckload of sarcasm. Use as much sarcasm as you can. That is the only Turing test I can recommend for Facebook or Twitter or any of that shit. Because the thing is, as smart as the AI is, and I don't know how smart it is, but as smart as, you know, Elon Musk will fear you into believing AI is, AI to this day takes a giant fail on sarcasm. It does not know what to do. You can have canned responses, but the canned responses fail. So yeah, I don't know who the fuck this person or thing was. It did not understand sarcasm. It hadn't been mentally aware for the last 10 years. It doesn't understand the pronoun wars of 2018 or the NPC wars of 2018. I don't give a fuck. Next topic. This is one of those, you know, news stories I'll read. This is from the, uh, well, this is from clickondetroit.com. And the, and the link is in the notes, and this was written by, I think it's at the bottom here. This was written by um, Derek Hutchinson, and it was published on, looks to be the 21st of January of this year. Headline, headline, Detroit man accused of pouring lighter fluid on pregnant girlfriend setting her on fire. Devon Marsh facing 11 charges. 
Can I read on? Detroit police found a woman severely burned inside the basement of a home after her boyfriend used lighter fluid to set her on fire, according to authorities. Officers were called at 10.41 p.m. January the 14th to a house in the 20,000 block of Packard Street. When they arrived, they found a 35-year-old pregnant woman in the basement with severe burns. Devon Lamar Marsh, 41 years old, of Detroit, was identified as the woman's boyfriend, police said. He was arrested at the scene. Police said Marsh got into an argument with his girlfriend, poured lighter fluid on her, and then set her on fire. He was charged, Friday, with one count of assault with intent to murder, one count of delivery or manufacturing of a controlled substance, less than 50 grams, one count of assault with intent to great to do great bodily harm, less than murder, three counts of felon in possession, one count of felon felonious assault, one count of assault and battery of a pregnant individual, one count of domestic violence, and two felony firearm violations. Wow, that's quite, that's quite a list. The evidence in this case will show that the defendant set his living girlfriend on fire after an altercation with her. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy said, she was six months pregnant with twins. Wow. Friday's charges were issued after Wayne County prosecutors received more information about the case, Worthy said. Marsh had originally been charged Sunday with assault with intent to do great bodily harm, felonious assault, possession of a firearm by a felon, and domestic violence. Marsh had been given a $50,000 bond, or 10%, during his first arraignment at 36th District Court. When prosecutors received the, more, received the more complete reports, the original case was dismissed in court and a new case was issued. After receiving further evidence, we have dismissed our original charges and immediately reissued charges against him, Worthy said. His original bond was woefully inadequate and we will be seeking a more appropriate bond given these charges. Marsh is in custody and will be arraigned on the new charges at 10.30 a.m. Monday morning. That's tomorrow, Levon. <sighs> tomorrow is your, you know, Devon, Devon Lamar. Tomorrow is your arraignment. Yeah, there you go. Now, before you ask questions about the person that have to do with nothing, like what the race was or ethnicity was, that's kind of irrelevant, this could be the, this. This is the story of just about any uh, person on planet Earth that has a couple things going on. One, probably a, a product of the public schools, because you're not going to learn the difference between any kind of right and wrong at public school. So, probably the result of public school. Probably didn't have parents that taught him the difference between right and wrong. And then you put this person into the pressure cooker of lies and economic turmoil, and what you end up with is something horrible. I, I can't say more than that. It is a horrible story. And I would love to say it's, it's rare and the exception. What I have been telling people for two years is that if you do trauma-based mind control the way that they're doing it, you're going to produce a lot of Devons. You're going to produce a lot of people who completely lose it and they do crooked-ass shit. In this case, I think the woman survived. Um, otherwise, he'd be just charged with murder. So hopefully she's okay. I, I just can't imagine dumping lighter fluid on a pregnant woman, but especially someone that you 
loved enough or liked enough to make pregnant. I don't know. And, and maybe it isn't his child. I don't know. There's so much we don't know about a story like this. But we do know that it is graphically, noxiously, psychologically disturbing in so many ways. And if, you're, if your belief is, well, Dan, this is the exception. This isn't happening in other places. Here's what I'll tell you. I'm pretty certain people are losing it. And, and they're reaching their breaking point. And the people most likely to go completely mad are the people that most believed in the monkey herpes. They are the ones that most believe the fucking lies. Believe me, those people will go crazy. Because in a sense, the definition of crazy is holding on to a view of the world that does not apply. And their view of the world doesn't fit. They are crazy and they're going to get crazier. Next topic. Next topic, my, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Joy is aesthetically more pleasing if you are not surrounded by people screaming in pain. Dr. Freckles. What does that mean, Dan? Well, I'll tell you about some speeches I got in the last couple of years from friends and family. And, and I would put these people in the category of people I either barely talk to or never talk to. That doesn't mean I'm not talking to my whole family. It just means that if they fit into this fucking category, they're probably not calling me and I'm probably not calling them right now. The last couple of years, I've had these friends and family tell me, well, I know it's crap and I know they lied and I don't want to know. Can't we just go shopping? I have somebody I care about right now who is currently traveling and I and I it looks like the travels are are excellent and the places this person are, is going according to this person they they must be okay. And that's fine. If you currently are living in Vegas with seven hookers and seven tons of cocaine, God bless. If you're currently on a sailboat someplace, Maybe, you know, near Bimini. If you're currently skiing on some snow they invented somewhere in the Poconos, getting ready to make love to your wife in the chalet, it's okay. Here's the thing. Life can be good and life can be bad. You should know this. If you're a Christian and you haven't read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you really need to pretty soon. Not just the parts that they have in songs or funerals or weddings. I mean the whole book of Ecclesiastes. It's all in there. Everything you need to know. So this is not a conversation about whether or not you should pursue joy. The Lord in heaven wants you to be joyful. I think Jesus wants us to be happy. I don't think Jesus wants to be happy um, because we're, you know, as a result of making other people sad. I, I don't think it's good to be a thief who steals from people and you're really happy about your wealth. But for your average American on the Death Star, you know, I think God wants us to be happy. But here's the thing that Dr. Freckles is saying, and I'll tell you, and this happened to me 10 years ago. Okay, this happened to me when I thought, okay, we're about 10 years away from whatever this is now. I had that inkling about a decade ago. 
And then all of a sudden, a lot of things I used to enjoy. For example, I used to play Far Cry all the time on Xbox Live back then. I did because I loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed gaming, a specific kind of gaming, and I played it all the time. By 2010, 2009, I just couldn't do it. There was a whole bunch of stuff I couldn't be happy about. In 2009, I bought a sailboat. I sold it a couple years later, you know, because there was just no way for me to be happy about that. The fact was that while I was being gaslit and manipulated with the, with the rest of you, you remember, you know, Vice President Biden's recovery summer tour 2010, where he went around the country talking about shovel-ready jobs? Yeah. That was the summer I noticed not just a huge uptick in prostitution on Aurora in Seattle, but I noticed something that looked really gross, that there looked to be mothers and daughters uh, doing the prostitution together. And I noticed this because of the uptick. There were so many more prostitutes up and down Aurora. And at the time I thought, is this the shovel-ready shit that Biden is talking about? I'm certain there are people the last 10 years that flipped homes, made money in the healthcare economy. Fuck, I had a job at Harborview Medical Center making over 100K a year. And according to the guy that hired me, you know, the thing is, Dan, you'll never get rich, but you'll never get fired. And during the interview, and I believe I even said this to Jim, I said, Jim, that's probably the least attractive thing that you've said about this opportunity. But again, I needed a job. My wife at the time needed to feel safe. I had to pretend. But when I took that job at Harborview, that was the same year where my ability, my personal ability to just be happy, when I could tell a lot of other people were in pain, when I could feel it, when I could sense it, my ability to just be joyful started going downhill. Now, you could say, well, Dan, that sounds like a personal problem. And some of that is true. But I'm going to read that quote from Dr. Freckles again, because it really, it, you have to understand the words, okay? Joy is aesthetically more pleasing. Okay, what does that mean? Aesthetically means in, in accordance with a sense of beauty, in accordance with a sense of pleasure. Joy has more pleasure, more beauty more of those positive qualities if you don't have to hear people screaming in pain. Now, I know there are sociopaths and shitheads. I know because I've met them. I grew up with some of them. I know who they are. I know there are shitheads out there that get a lot of joy from other people's pain. But if you have a soul, and you're a Christian, I hope, and have a soul, you don't like being around people who are starving while you're eating a pizza, okay? It doesn't mean you don't get to eat your fucking pizza. It just means that it's a little bit, I don't know how to put, off-putting to be eating your pizza around a lot of people who are just hungry as fuck. Sunken eyes and gaunt, bloated bellies, hungry as fuck. I would never want to get on a plane and eat my pizza in front of people in the middle of a famine, for example. But does that mean I'm saying don't eat pizza? No. 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 There, there, are, there have always been poor people. There have always been sick people. One of the great deceptions of the monkey herpes bullshit with respect to sickness is clear. There have always been plagues and pandemics and epidemics and sick people. Always. Throughout history. It's a thing. 
And nothing about those disasters says stop living. You should stop living, give up. Nothing about those disasters says you need to track where everybody goes and you need to make sure they're in their homes all day long for whatever, you know, whatever terrible fucking reason, you know? Nothing in history matches this. There has never been a plague where you have to convince people that there's a plague, okay? Plagues are pretty fucking obvious things. I saw a lot of bullshit in 2020. I saw a shitload of fake commies marching up and down 12th Avenue in 2020. I saw a whole bunch of fucking construction that never ended in Seattle in 2020. But I saw no sign of a fucking plague or an epidemic or a pandemic. But I saw a lot of pain. I saw a lot of angry people. I felt a lot of sadness. Being in Seattle felt bad. It, even if I could escape for a few hours into my own head, it felt sick to be there. I could feel that. I could feel a 100,000 souls out there screaming out in the night, what the fuck is going on? Now, here in Utah... Here in Utah, I don't have much more money. I don't have much more stuff, maybe even technically a little less stuff. But I have a shitload of peace, okay? When I say peace, I mean the not just the absence of war. If you think peace is the absence of war, you don't know what peace is, really. I mean the sense of quiet of the soul, quiet of the mind. I mean the absence of the sturm and drong and turmoil of the human spirit, which you're always going to have when you have people around you. But it turns out that all that gets fucking worse when you're being exposed to trauma-based mind control. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in Utah, and I take my pleasure and my joy where I can. And some of my joy comes from walking the dogs, believe it or not. You know, they don't expect much. They don't ask for much. They have a lot of love. They're not perfect, but they are some of the least shitty entities I've been around in recent years, these dogs. They are pretty awesome. And so one of my moments of joy comes when I get a chance to walk them. I'm not always in a mood. Sometimes I want to be in my room and be, be by myself. I am a bit of a hermit. But yeah, walking the dogs, pretty cool. Splitting wood and going to get wood up in the mountains. That has been a joyful experience. Yeah, it's hard work and it's joyful hard work. And that's been pretty cool. I have started practicing archery again. And, and I got a long ways to go, but <laughs> I think I'll be good enough to, you know, hunt at some point in the near future. And that's the goal. So it's, and that's joyful. And I try to find that joy where I can. And, you know, the listeners of this podcast, you know I drink beer. Although, in Utah, drinking beer, that's an adventurous sport. And, you know, I use marijuana because I'm honest about it. If I use crack and cocaine all the time, I'd tell you I don't. I joke about cocaine, but I ain't never had any. I like music, and I like to sit and listen to the music, and I like to dream. And, and, and daydream. And as long as I know I'm doing it, at least I'm not confused about the reality that's around me. I, there are things that bring me joy. You know? I, I've been working on a programming project recently. 
um, like in the last month. And this could be the first programming project I've worked on in years where I can honestly say I, I enjoy it. Now, am I getting paid for it? No. Is it likely I'll be making a ton of money off of it? Like I said, brothers and sisters, what does that fucking mean? We could be a few weeks away, and as, as crazy as this sounds, we could be a few weeks away from the collapse of the U.S. dollar. And if you're hoping, well, Dan, it'll take a decade. or No, it's not going to take a decade. Or, you had that decade. You had the 20 years. You had the 50 years. You had every fucking warning. When we closed the fucking gold window in the early 1970s, we technically defaulted. There have been acts of war over the shit we did when we closed the gold window. When we told people, nope, you can't get gold for your dollars anymore. There, there have been countries that have gone to war over shit like that. So before you tell me, well, we got another 10 years, another 20 years, we got a lot more time, I don't know how much more fucking time you have. It might be another year of the stupidity. I doubt it, but it could be right. But you don't have 10 years, okay? You just don't. So we could be really close to the collapse of the U.S. dollar. And so thinking about things like money and podcasts, it's a lot less relevant than how am I going to get water, food, shelter? How am I going to survive? And currently, a lot of us are living between two worlds, especially those of us who are voluntarists, agorists, anarchists, people who want to be outside the system, people who are involved in the counter-economy, for those of us who want to exist without the dollar, period, and, have, and, and frankly, don't want any, anything to do with it at all, it's not something I'm, I'm afraid of, I'm kind of hopeful about. I really am. It, it may give us a chance, all of us a chance, again, at having a dignified free life. It's still going to be pain, still going to be trouble, but yeah, if you think you got more time, you got more time. I don't know. What I will tell you is simply this before we move on to the next topic. There is nothing wrong with joy. There is nothing wrong with happiness. There is nothing dignified about being depressed all the time. I suffer from depression. It's not a, it's not a, a fad. It's not a religion. It's not a spirituality. It is something that happens to people, probably happens to everybody. Okay, some people suffer from it more than others, and that's what it is. I suffer from depression, but I would never make it a noble thing to be depressed all the time. It is a state of mind, and sometimes a horrible state of mind. Joy, happiness, these are states of mind too, and they're good states of mind. We should be joyful. We should be happy. We should be at peace. That if we're not joyful and happy and at peace, it's probably not because of money. It's probably not because of our job. It's probably not because of any of the dumb reasons we either invent for ourselves or we're given by the system, by the government, by the media. That They'll give you reasons for why you're unhappy. Well, you don't have enough stuff. You don't have that new iPhone. That too is bullshit. Whatever joy, happiness, pleasure, whatever these things are, they are highly subjective. For some people, they might be buying a new iPhone. I kind of think that's a, you probably need to look for something else to make you happy at some point soon. Maybe you need to learn how to run a telegraph, but there are people that are happy about their iPhone. Fine, be happy about your iPhone. There are people that like to go out to eat. I used to love to go out to eat. Yeah, I'm a country boy, but I'm also a city boy. And I used to love to go to restaurants. It's okay. 
Especially if you live someplace right now that hasn't gone completely fucking monkey crazy and you can go to the restaurant without doing the mask kabuki. It is pleasurable going to a restaurant, you know, without the mask bullshit. And if you get joy from that, that is good. And yes, there are people in the world right now who are living in relationships where the person that they care for either is going to dump lighter fluid on them or they might be thinking of dumping lighter fluid on somebody else. There are people starving. There are people with cancer. There are people who are going to kill themselves because of this stupid monkey herpes psyop. You can't stop all that. You can try to help people. You can be there to listen, but you can't take that all on. All the pain of the world is not yours. If God exists, it is God's. And if God doesn't exist, the pain is just, it's not yours. It's there, but it's not yours. It is good to care and it is good to be concerned. But if you can find joy right now that doesn't harm somebody, if you can find happiness that doesn't involve a zero-sum game, if you can be in a peaceful place where you feel the pleasures of life and you're doing so peacefully in a non-aggression kind of way. You should do that. You should find as much joy right now as you can. If joy for you is a good bottle of wine and you can afford to buy one, buy one. Whatever your joy is, if it's going sailing, if it's going camping, if it's fishing, wherever it is, if it's writing, if it's doing poetry, if it's going to coffee shops and reading books, do it. Do it while you can, okay? And this isn't just about the fact that, yeah, we could be facing some pretty big metaphorical tsunamis soon. That's not the point. The point is you don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when you won't be able to use your eyes, to use your hands. You won't know how much longer you can use your mind. There are lots of things that can destroy a person. There are many ways in which our fate can become tragic. So try to be happy when you can, while you can. That's not about confronting death. That's about confronting life. Be happy, be joyful while you can, when you can. This life is not guaranteed and we will all die. And some of us will die when we're 10 years old. I knew a kid that died when, when she was 10. And some of you will die when you're 43. My sister died when she was 43. And some people will get into their 70s or 80s. And some people, some people believe they'll live forever and they're wrong. But everyone will die. And whatever joy you're going to get, you're not going to get after the funeral or, you know, after you die. It's just not going to happen. I mean, if you believe in God, you go to heaven. That's a separate topic. But I mean the earthly shit. I mean the stuff that the book of Ecclesiastes talks about. Yeah. Anyways, next topic. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Fear is the gap between consciousness and knowledge. Dr. Freckles. Now, I have a few Dr. Freckles quotes that deal with this issue, this relationship between consciousness and, and prejudice. Um, but I think this quote cuts closer to the, the core issue. Fear is the gap between consciousness and knowledge. One of the dogs I walk, um, 
I had been walking. He's a he's a really cool Sharpay. If you know what a Sharpay is, you can look him up, but he's really cool and he's a cool dog. But I've been walking him out to this field, this big open field. Uh, it's an alfalfa field, but it's winter time right now, so the stalks are all cut down. And it's kind of a nice walk. You know, it's dry enough and frozen enough that, you know, you're not getting all muddy and we can walk across the field and it's fun. And the older dog I take on this trip, she she was a little reticent, but she's an older dog. Older dog. She's been around longer. So I took her across the field and she wanted to keep going. We we'd have, We would have gone all the way to the mountains. But this Sharpay, the younger dog, um, he gets to about the middle of the field and he looks around. And he can't clearly see home. And he can't clearly see any landmarks. And, and he sees that he's naked and in the open. And I guess the question for the dog is, is there something looking at me? So he gets to the middle of the field and he, and he wants to turn around. I can tell. He say, you want to go back? And Boomer immediately starts walking back. And believe me, he's a stubborn dog. So if he wanted to stay, he would stay. Boomer's not a coward. And Boomer's not, you know, fearful all the time. But this particular experience with Boomer demonstrates something that's true for every living thing that has attained any amount of consciousness. Consciousness is wonderful and it takes a lot of mental processing to allow it to exist. You could argue that that's what most of your brain is doing, is allowing consciousness to be a thing. Yeah, it does other things as well, certainly keeps you alive and you don't want to damage your, you know, your brain stem because that part of the brain, you pretty, you can't, that part of the brain does not take damage well. There are parts of the brain where you could have an arrow shot through you and you could still be talking to people but not the brainstem. That, that's your autonomic, that's your heartbeat, that's your lungs, that's everything. It, you know, people that do sniping for the military, snipers, they'll tell you that's the switch. But there are parts of the brain, you could have a freaking railroad spike shoved through and you'd still survive. Yeah, you'd have some issues, you know, probably, but hey, you, you get your name in a psychology book, right? Phineas Gage, I think it was Phineas Gage, the famous guy in that psychology book when they're talking about abnormal behavior and brain damage. Fear is the gap between consciousness and knowledge. Okay, these brains, they can create consciousness, but they'll never ever be a brain. And please understand what I'm saying here. There will never ever be a brain, whether it's a robot brain or a biological brain, that will know everything. Okay, there are entities or specifically one entity in the universe that does, that's God. You know, that's my Lord in heaven. That's Jesus Christ, my savior. Yes, Jesus knows everything. But I'm not Jesus and neither are you. And when Jesus was on earth, he had a brain, but he was also the son of God. So, yeah, it wasn't really the same kind of brain, probably. So you've got a brain. And this brain can generate consciousness and metacognition. This brain can ask questions. And this brain can ask questions about asking questions, which is interesting, isn't it? 
But no matter how smart you are, no matter what university you attended, no matter how long you've had a fucking library card, you do not know everything. I don't know everything. We do not know everything. But we're still conscious. Just like Boomer the Sharpay walking across that field, looking and sniffing for signs of home. We have the consciousness to know that we're lost. We don't always have the consciousness to find our way out. This is the reality of it. This is, the, this is one of the scary things about being a person, being a human being. And frankly, probably one of the scary things about being a dog and an African gray parrot and an octopus and any other number of creatures that seem to demonstrate a level of consciousness. Um, the scary thing is, for all of us, the octopus, the, the chimpanzee, the dog, the parrot, for all of us, um, and, and that's just a short list, but the list is longer. For every one of us, we have the awareness, but we also have the awareness that we don't know. The knowledge of ignorance is a special kind of meta-knowledge. The knowledge that you do not know something, you do not understand something, is interesting. And yeah, I think dogs have that. I don't know that they're capable of anything remotely advanced when it comes to metacognition, but dogs have that sense of not knowing something. And therein lives the fear. Fear and ignorance have always gone together. We know this. It's, it's, it's almost a cliche, but it's not a cliche. It's more like a truism, and yet not a truism in that Richard Rorty folk psychology sense. I would say it's almost an axiom. Fear and ignorance, they go hand in hand. And, and you're not a bad person for not knowing. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is this is just part of your brain. This isn't racism. This isn't sexism. You're not a bad person for responding this way. This is a side effect of awareness. If you are not aware, you can go through life and, and wander about knocking over every table and pissing everybody off. If you are not aware, you can go through life doing a lot of stupid shit in a very unafraid kind of way. But if you have a sliver of awareness, a sliver of a sense of what's going on around you, if you can hear the scream of something or someone, if you can understand the pain of other people, and yet with all that, with all the pain and all the disarray and chaos and all the choices, all the pleasure too and all the joy, everything, the bully bays of existence, you and I don't know everything. And so there will always be an experience that's new. And with it will come fear. Fear is the gap between the conscious mind and the knowledge we have and we don't have. Fear is always living in that gap. If you're not conscious, you don't have fear. And if you know everything, then you don't have to be afraid either, do you? But we are aware, and we don't know everything. Now, for some of us who have faith in God, we can fill in the gaps a bit. Now, I'm not saying this is a cognitive solution. This isn't a computational solution. This isn't a mathematical solution. It is faith. Faith does not fit into any logical framework. But for those of us with faith in God, we can say to ourselves, well, you know what? I don't need to be afraid. He goes before me always. 
I can follow Jesus and I can be saved. That doesn't mean you're not going to die. Doesn't mean you won't get cancer. Doesn't mean somebody won't come up from behind you with a pillowcase filled with D-cell batteries and clock you. That's not what Jesus or God means. When, when, when the Lord speaks to us in this way, that's not what, what is meant. What is meant is this, is that no matter what happens, if you have faith in Jesus, you are saved. Here's a reading from Isaiah. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isaiah 41.10. And throughout the Bible, there are many passages like this. There's a lot of this in Psalms. David, I believe King David, wrote a lot about the fact that God was his shield, that God protected him. But David wasn't dumb. David knew that people were still killed. Hell, he had a person killed to steal his wife. So David understood the world, and yet he believed he was saved by God. And he believed that the Lord, the Lord went before him and went before his people, the children of Jacob, you know, the Israelites, the Hebrews, that God went before all of them as their shield. So yeah, it's scary to be aware because you, you very soon become aware of what you just don't fucking know. And there are all kinds of motherfuckers in the modern world who will tell you, oh, I know, I know, I know, Dan. And they'll claim to have all the fucking answers. Oh, here's a book you can read, Dan. And guess what? They don't know either. Jordan Peterson, okay? I don't read him. I don't listen to his podcast. I don't want to hear about how if you clean up your room, your life will get better. I'll tell you, if you become a minimalist like me, I think your life will get better. But that's not about cleaning up your room. That's about cleaning up your fucking life. But a lot of people listen to Jordan Peterson. I don't know anything about him. But I can say this with absolute certainty. He doesn't know everything either. He might know some things, and he might be helpful when it comes to a few of them, but he doesn't know everything. And there are so many motherfuckers out there who will tell you that they know everything, and they don't. They'll even say something less than that, which is even worse. They'll say they know enough, but they don't. Not only do you not know everything, motherfucker, no matter who the fuck you are, you don't know enough. You don't. Every day until you die, you could always know a little bit more. Every day until you are gone, there is information about this world that you could receive. We are not gods. We are not princes of the universe. Yeah, there's a Lord in heaven that loves you and loves me, but that doesn't make us God. It does make us a people on a planet that is not Eden that is filled with curses because those curses stuck with us as we left Eden. You are just a person like me. I don't care what your junk looks like. That's not relevant to me. 
I don't care if you got female junk or male junk. And if it offends you that I'm talking about your junk like it's junk, let me tell you something. It offends me if you think I have to give a fuck about what you do with your private parts. I don't care. You should keep it in a fucking locked room. Even a dog has the good sense to want to do some things in private. Okay? Even a fucking dog. So maybe you could learn from a dog. But I don't care what your junk looks like, baby. You don't know everything. Jordan Peterson doesn't know everything. President Biden definitely doesn't know everything. Trump, huh, yeah, I can keep going. None of these people know everything, and they don't remotely know enough. None of us do. And if you're lucky enough to be welcomed into heaven, I, I shouldn't say lucky, if you've followed Christ and you make it to heaven, you might get a glimpse of all that knowledge that you don't know. Probably. I don't know what heaven's like. I haven't been there yet. But you're not in heaven either. You're here on earth right now. Last topic. I've been wanting to do more stuff that I would call fiction because I hate talking about the world right now, but I've been thinking a lot about Splunkton. Like, you know, in another podcast, I said just about everybody lives a half a mile from Splunkton now. But have you spent any time on Grinken Street? Have you have you spent any time in the gutter and the channels, in in the holly houses? Have you been down the wayside where the scrimblies hang out down by the moat? Have you spent any fucking time on Grinken Street? Have you seen the Red Devil Mistress? She dances around in catted clothing. Her dancing at midnight when her body is covered in grombo oils and her maidens with bare swords and knives and pillowcases filled with rocks. Have you seen the Red Devil Mistress, Meg? This was always going to be the final offering to the priestess. We were always going to get trapped. I was her crooked lover when we would lurk down by Shimbley's off of Scrimpton. We'd drink harlot whiskey and breathe the fumes of bromide and aluminum and other barium-laced poisons falling from the skyhawks. You coming to my place for Sid's birthday, she asked. No, baby. I'm heading to Hooker Square for the free money. There's a guy by the name of Jerome Powell hanging out by Hooker Square. He's handing out 50s and hundies. He's handing out gumbo gold and cubic zirconium. Down by Hooker Square. That's about five miles off of Grinkin. Meg, the Red Devil mistress, she was slim and hard. Her sunken eyes betrayed years on the street, looking for her pain sauce in every gutter. I'd think she was my girlfriend if she wasn't my hooker wife. Did you hear about Terry? Nah, what's up? Terry was selling sklink down by the old abandoned library. Cops? 
Was it cops? Nah. Nah, fucking Gronkus lords are moving into Splunkton and have some road kings on Grinken Street. The Gronkus lords were moving east. They've been plotting their, their final victories. They began as an offshoot of the East Side Hoolies, who were originally the anti-Semitic Jews of Bobsburg. But when they, the Lords, had a falling out with the Crips in Seattle, <laughs> this all set off a West Side versus East Side grudge match between the hip-hop overlords in Detroit. Shit. Terry gonna get ripped? That was the question I asked Meg, the devil red mistress. Ripping, huh? That's when a tribe gets an old pickup and a chain and a rope and they attach your legs to some old cottonwood tree with the, with the rope and the chain to your chest and they put the chain around the bumper of that fucking truck and you are pulled apart and then dumped in the river. Probably near the sewage plant, not far from that other library they burnt down. Don't know. My street flower said, my Meg, my tormentor. I, I don't know. I don't know either, baby. But things are getting tougher on Grinken Street. They can't keep the lights on every day. You get them on every other day. There's not enough food at the grocery store, so they got wooden blocks there painted like food. It's getting hard on Grinken Street. There are people setting fire to their lovers in old apartments. There are old men counting the bones of their dead. There are wild dogs chasing old grandmas there are wild cats chasing the hookers, baby. It's getting tough on Grinken Street. It's getting tough in Splunkton. It must be Bo Blimptock. Do you live on Grinken Street, baby? Before we end this podcast, I would like to point out that this is self-funded except for donations. And if you are able to donate, there'll be a link to PayPal. I don't take crypto. I don't want to go into why. If you want to understand why, you can listen to a bunch of podcasts. But I don't currently take crypto. There is no way you can mail me money. My mail gets opened, and I'm not giving away my address any longer. Technically, I don't have an address right now, and I kind of like it, baby. I mean, I, I do. I have an address, but it's not mine. Um, so you can't send me money in the mail. You, you can't send me a chunk of gold. And here's the best part. You don't have to donate. You're not required to. By simply listening, you've done your part because, hey... I didn't say you had to pay anything. You just, just want to listen, you can listen. And if you have the energy, the time, and the friends, you can put together an email and say, hey, there's this weirdo living in Utah. He talks about Splunkton. 
he talks about Grinken, he talks about Boblimtok, and he says the monkey herpes is bullshit. You might like him, baby. He dreams of hookers. Hookers and cocaine. If you want to, you can donate, if you're able to. But please take care of your food, your water, your shelter first. Please prepare, because I don't think the world is coming to an end, but I do think some pretty tough times are ahead. And I'm sorry. I know a lot of people right now are feeling like there's a pause, a pause in the, in the tormenting, a, a pause, you know, with Torquemada not coming around the cell to, to poke you with a stick. It feels like the PSYOP has cooled off a bit, and, and that's giving people a sense that maybe this is all over. And, and what I can say is this. I do think this phase of things is pretty much almost over. I just don't think that what comes next is going to be all that great. I'm sorry for being a downer. I'm not going to not tell you what I think is going on because you still have time to do a couple things. You still have time to find joy. And I don't, I don't mean that hooker you left behind in Dallas. I mean happiness. I mean you can still live a joyful, peaceful life. And if you do so with the Holy Spirit in your heart with you, then I think it can be exceptionally happy and very joyful. You can still prepare. There is still time to buy you know, dried rice and dried beans. And there's still time, hopefully, and enough money for you to stock up for 6 to 12 months. My point is, if you have the resources to be happy, go be happy. If you have the resources to, to prepare yourself and your friends and your family for what is coming, do that. And after being happy and joyful and after buying enough food for 6 to 12 months and after taking care of all your food, water, shelter needs and helping out the people you love, if you have any money left over, feel free to donate it. There'll be a link. If you're listening on Anchor, if you're listening on Spotify, or if you're just listening off my website, planetarystatusreport.com. The MP3 is there. The MP3 is there, right? Whatever you're listening on, there will be a link to PayPal, and you can donate, but you don't have to. Um, everybody could use the money. I don't know a lot of people these days that couldn't use the money. So when I say you don't have to, I mean it. But if you have the money to donate and, and you've already gotten all the hookers and cocaine you want and you just have a lot of extra hocane money left over, hooker cocaine money, hocane, if you have hocane money, you can shoot it on over, baby. I can't promise you I'll use it on hookers and cocaine, but if you send me enough money, I might just as likely I might buy a van and convert it into something I can live out of. Um, but you never know. I will definitely pay rent and pay for food. Currently, I can't pay my rent, so 
yeah, there are things I could do this month if I had a little extra money, but I'm pretty certain that's true of all you as well. I know I, I'm, I'm foul-mouthed. I hope you're a good enough Christian out there to understand the difference between bad language and a curse. Um, cursing is, is when you wish someone dead, for example. So I am foul-mouthed, but I try not to curse. But despite being foul-mouthed, this is what I'll say. I pray for all of us. I pray to the Lord in heaven, Jesus Christ, watch over all of us, watch over our families, watch over our friends to be our shield. We don't know enough. I don't know enough. There are people out there right now who will tell you they know what's going on. Chances are they're lying to you. And, and they might not be doing it on purpose, but they are lying to you. And they're, and, they're, and they're probably lying to themselves. None of us know enough. And for those of us who have Jesus, we know that's okay. Um, and I think you can be an atheist and be at peace with it, but none of us know enough. So if I say something you don't agree with, guess what? That's okay. If you want to shoot me an email about it, you can do that. If you're polite, I'll probably send you a response. And I probably will say, hey, you know what? You make a good point, buddy. So if you listen to this podcast, do yourself a favor and at least check one or two other resources against me. Don't just take what I'm saying for the literal truth either, because I don't claim it is. I just claim it is what I think is true. I think it is true that we have been lied to by the powers that be for almost two years on an almost unprecedented scale. Like, other than 9-11, for those two or three weeks after 9-11, um, it's never really been amped up this bad in my lifetime. And maybe... That's all I can say. I have never seen this level of deception in my lifetime, what I've seen in the last two years. And it does seem as if there's a spiritual component to it. Definitely, there's a core psychological component to it. But why they're doing it? I can have theories, but I don't know. What I ask is that the Lord look over us and that if Jesus can be this for you, that Jesus can be that... Um, vehicle, that Jesus can be that source of power that allows you to cut through the noise, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit can give you the discernment to see the truth. Have a great rest of your, your Sunday.